Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for today's episode. I've got a special treat for everyone today, the return of the Matt and Matt show. It has been a calendar year since we've had both Matt Fonslow and Matt Scundrich on the show together, but we're doing it again today. They're joining me and we're going to cover all of the topics, what it means to be an A-tech in the automotive industry. Is specialization the future of the auto world? Is there going to be an economic downturn that's going to negatively impact us in our base. Why does Matt Scundrich hate Sentry and even Taylor Swift? We talk about it all. I enjoyed this talk as always. Hopefully you will as well. But with that all out of the way, let's jump into the episode. Oh yeah, you do your intros separately. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't have to skip his like I do everybody else's podcast. The intro? (laughs) Yeah, Sean is like, hi, welcome to Sean's podcast with some guy I've never heard of. Well, they say like the attention span of people is so short that you can't have super long intros to whatever. People will just be like, well, okay, I'm out. So I try to get to the point, get going. Noah's cool, dude. What? When are we guys, when are we all going out? I want free food. That's what I want. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he's he's definitely willing to pay. Um, I think he's out of town this weekend, but I know he wants to get together. He, he is a super nice guy. He's pretty funny, yeah. too. Yeah, he's awesome. Was that the guy from your podcast today? Yep. Yeah, him and I yeah, talked I couldn't, quite a bit. I couldn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> not, not your style or what? Like, when he's like, oh, I want to get into EPROM and this and this for Euro cars, I'm going... Dude, there is so much more you need to do URL. Like, so the area that he's in, and you you you're probably right, but the area that he is in, he's seeing like third and fourth owner, old school BMWs and stuff like that, where people want keys and things like that. So that's what he's running into. Is like no, but when cast modules all the time and stuff like that. But when he mentions, like, oh, down the street, there's these really nice houses. Like, I'd love to have their cars. I'm like, okay. Let's no, just he's have... talking about stealing them. He's not talking about working <laughs> on them. I, that's... You misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I'm thinking, right? Because I'm like, let's just, let's just hypothetically here just run with this for a second. So they have nice houses. I'm going to assume by nice, he's talking half a million or more. If they can afford a half a million dollar house, they're not driving a second or third generation BMW. They're probably leasing it. <laughs> like, you're not, even with cloning an EEPROM, like, unless you're spending stupid money on tools and upgrades, like, you're going to need Nista, you're going to need his entry. You're just going to. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for him in any way. I don't think he's trying to capture the, the hoity-toity market. Now, should he? I mean... 
potentially if you want to make some money. Um, I don't know. There's somebody in Minnesota who has like three or four shops and he drives a Lamborghini. He pretty <laughs> he's he's doing pretty well market. for himself. Yeah. <laughs> may have broke the code. <laughs> I mean, drives a, pal- a plaid. Yeah. Like I bought my Zentry and I have it. And so far I'm going to say it's the worst investment I've ever made. Oh, so, well, so unless you know somebody who knows somebody who can, you can call every time you're working on one of them cars. Like, um, I have a seven, two, two, nine transmission. The guy bought the plate, the valve body from the dealer boxes there. Right. He's like, Hey man, I've got the pan down fluids out, but I left the valve body in there. So if we need the old one in it, it's in it. I'm like, okay, let me hook up. We'll get ready to SCN code so we can pull all the stuff and we'll swap it. Swap it. His entry is going through in this DAS mode, which sucks. If you've ever used DAS, it's like, I don't know, watching paint dry. It's so slow. And I get done and it's like, okay, oh, we can't SCN code the new plate. Failed. Okay, well, why? You could talk to it. Like, you have the coding. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, I post for help on this one Facebook group. And Matthew Vaughn calls me and he's like, hey, try unplugging the ABS module. So, I go back next day and unplug the ABS module. Nothing. So, it doesn't work. So, I noticed that the guy happened to buy a reman from the part number because you can buy a Mercedes parts catalog. It's a reman part. Which, I get it. It's like an 07, right? Like, getting a new one's probably rare. Guy's friends with a parts dealer. It's how he gets parts, even though he doesn't even have an ASDEF, which is a whole other issue I have with these people. <laughs> and he's like, look, man, I'll just go down and get another one. I'm like, you're just going to give you another one? He's like, yeah. And um, I'm like, okay. So he gets another one. I come back the next day. This time I said, I'm not going to put the old one in it. We're just going to put the new one in it and start like it's blank. Oh, camp code. Camp. Can't SCN code it. And I'm like, I, I, I just. Because that, it just says failed. Like, no, no nothing. Like, it's not even like Ford where it's like, oh, it failed. Please check. <laughs> or GM. Hey, it failed. Here's error code. And you, you can call GM and, and get some help for Mercedes. I just feel like you're just like, oh, let me check with the help desk because they have a help desk button and you can email them and i i feel like i could record every button i hit with like 10 gopros and send it to them and they'll be like oh we don't have any information uh are you sure you uploaded the file like their help desk is like the most useless people on the planet so at this point i'm like well that was thirty-one thousand dollars spent i'm gonna spend a lot of time learning mercedes I'm actually to the point where I told my wife I'm going to go buy a Mercedes so I can figure out how to use the tool <laughs> so that I can make money back with the tool. Yeah, that's a lot of money to to drop and not have good customer support. You would uh, hope that that kind of dough, there'd be somebody you know, competent to be able to help you out. I, uh, I cloned those ones over, although I haven't done a new one. So I don't know if it works that way with the auto. Oh, yeah. I pulled out my flex and cloned the old one to the new one, and the car freaking ran, and <laughs> the guy's issues was done. But I'm like, Jesus, I just used an $8,000 flex to fix a $31,000 scan tool that should have done the fucking job. Like, I was a little pissed. I'm like, here yeah. we are, $40,000 later in tools to work on one car. This is dumb. Do you guys have Zentry down there? 
Fan så? No, no. I, you know, I don't know what it means to say it's on the list. There's some how long your list? Maybe, maybe some months where it becomes attractive, but then everything else comes in, and I have no issues with it because of the Top Done does it, the Autel does it, the iScan Three does it, whatever I needed to do, and you know, or. Not that I've had to EEPROM anything. Um, well, I guess one, uh, VVDI did it. So, uh, you know, VVDI MB. So it's not, I, I think eventually we'll do it more, uh, out of strategy to try to corner a market. Mm-hmm. And depending on how certain things play out with, um, I'll probably screw up. Um, the uh, acronym, but like S, is it FSB four for the keys? Yeah, or did I screw it up? Is it FBS four? FBS uh, four. Yeah, of course. Should have went with my gut. That um, <laughs> the uh, well, you can do them that, now. With Zentry. What's that? That's the reason I bought Zentry. You can right? That's what I'm saying. So if that's kind of the way it's going, then our hands forced a little bit faster. <laughs> Uh, so it, we're just teetering too, and same thing with like Hyundai Kia. A while ago, I would have said we just don't see that many. Guess what? They're trickling more and more and more, and G Scan Three is getting me through. But one of these days, it won't. Mm-hmm. I I will argue so. that I don't think your G Scan Three is going to let you down ever because it's made by Git, who makes the Hyundai T- Kia tablet. So. Okay. But the only thing it can't do, right, is it can't code and pro or it can't program. It right, can code, right. it just can't program. Yep. Um. So I don't think you're going to have an issue till you need to program something. Which, at this point, Hyundai sends everything pre-programmed. You just got to code it. Which brings up another issue. Um, <laughs> I have the Hyundai Kia tool, and their new ABS units have to be coded, right? They're like all their other units. And if you've done an airbag module, you're used to a four-digit code that God only knows what it means because it's like YFU2, and you're like, oh, I guess Q2 is the code today. That's what we're typing <laughs> in. Away we go. And you can look it up. Um, yep. Yep. The, the ABS has the same coding, except it's eight digits. Except if the old module is no longer in existence, you can't get the coding. And I have a buddy who works for Hyundai training and I'm like, Hey man, the old module's dead. Well, what do you mean it's dead? I mean, when the tire exploded, it cut the harness in half and shorted out a bunch of things and the module no longer talks. How do I get this coding? He wrote back, good luck with the Liam Nelson meme. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's one of those. So I told the guy, I'm like, dude, this guy doesn't know. And he works for them. I guess you're going to send it to the dealer. So we sent the car down to the dealer, and they're like, oh, we need the old module. And the guy's like, it it doesn't exist. Like, it's smoked. And they're like, well, it's the only way we can get the coding. We need the old module. So we sent the old module down. They're like, hey, your old module doesn't work. Uh, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, <laughs> we'll call engineering, do something. So we're on week two of no idea how to get this car fixed. And we're Dang. talking a 2022 Hyundai Sonata that had a tire blow out and now it has ABS lights on for ACU coding. Yeah. You think the coding 
would have a reference somewhere to what it means, like not well, available to the, to the general technician, but somebody somewhere knows what the Y uh, and the Z well, means. Well, apparently somebody knew what the coding was at some point because the car left the factory. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah no exactly. Module, so somebody knows. It seems somewhere. like one of them things where uh, I don't have a, like a specific example, just more or less a chain that, um, you know, Hyundai USA is really just a distributor of Hyundai. Uh, they're they're not really Hyundai, so somebody within Hyundai USA Hyundai USA will have to have a relationship with someone Hyundai Korea, mm. and they may have that. Or I think that's it. how it works, and yeah. I just think the dealer doesn't want to like pay the fee or the fine or right. whatever bullshit goes. But here's the best part: in my scanner, it says auto code, like. When you go in, like software management, ABS, it's like, hey, would you like to auto code this? And I'm like, yes, I would. It just goes, no communication. And I'm like, <laughs> you mean no communication. It works. Like, <laughs> that is called a blue ball function. <laughs> <laughs> that is the technical term. Yeah, Antel's been doing that one for a while, for a yeah. lot of stuff. <laughs> And then I have electric racks that fail at the weirdest times, and people think I'm crazy when I'm like, oh, it needs a rack. Prime example, um, 2023 F-150 power boost, right? So it's the hybrid that's got the generator in it. Guy got blasted in the front by something. I don't know what, but something. So it's at the shop. They get it all fixed. And it got a new front camera. It's got the radar. So I go down. I go to calibrate it. Come back. And I'm like, hey, man, this thing needs a rack. It's like, what do you mean it needs a rack? I'm like, steering wheel's off 180 degrees. And he's like, well, it hasn't been like that since it's been here. And I'm like, okay. And the manager's like, oh, I think it's because it's an electric rack. Somehow it came disconnected and it shifted. And there's got to be a way to program it back. I'm like, dude, it needs a rack. Like... That's it. Like, teeth must have been slightly sheared, and somebody, you know, it just skipped a couple teeth, and now the steering wheel's off 180. I don't know what to tell you, but it needs a rack, because we finally put it on the alignment machine, and the steering wheel's literally, like, almost 180 degrees off. So when you turn it straight with the wheels, they're, like, 9 degrees off, and I'm like, (laughs) you're not adjusting that straight. It needs a rack. So we sent it to the dealer, and... This has got me kind of off guard. Um, the dealer labor rate is two twenty-five an hour at the Ford dealer, and they're three weeks out on work. Dang. They're like, we'll get to it in a minimum of three weeks. Which sucks, because my wife's 2020 Explorer needs some warranty work done. And so I went down to the Ford guy, and I was like, really? You're three weeks out? He's like, is it your car? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you know me, and you've bailed me out of jam, so I can get it in before three weeks. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> and I got like a 2020 microwave. See, <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, like, there's a difference between you and me. I don't, it, no doubt. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> I don't own a lift. I don't have access to a lift. And... I just Cajun oil sucks on the ground at oh. my age, so I'm not crawling underneath there to take 22 bolts out of a shield on the ground. Yeah, that has been something different for me. This has been the first, well, whatever it is now, four or five months of my adult life that I haven't had access to a hoist. 
Wait, um, are you not that, at the college with a lift anymore? I am not at the college anymore. So I at the college. I I sure did. Did I miss that announcement in the podcast? Are, Jeez, you, a, are you a listening. CEO or are you still a sole proprietor? Uh, I'm uh, S corp or LLC filing as an S corp, but um, Ooh, yeah, uh, like President Sean, we got to change your title over here. <laughs> Do you need a treasurer? <laughs> I want to <laughs> learn how to launder money. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> we can make something happen. I'm sure. <laughs> well, apparently, it's doing mobile ADOS because if I have one more mobile ADOS company come in my area, I might pull out my gun and start shooting people. I haven't seen too many of those around here. There's one glass company close to here that they offer ADOS services out of a van, um, and then. Yeah, there's a couple others, but it's it's not really down in the cities, I guess. Oh my gosh, we many. have Protec, Mass, um, Smart Express. That's the company that's up here. They're a big, big chain. We have Classic. We have VTech. We have Aztec, AirPro. <laughs> um, there's me, but I don't really count because I'm just a single guy. Um, somebody got pissed off at LKQ left, took like six employees. He started it. Um, they're pretty useless. We have AE automotive, which is part, which is owned by crash champions. So the, the president of crash champions bought out service, like crash champions bought out service King and the president of crash champions owns AE automotive or something like that. And they have a mobile company. So, yeah. I joke around. Like, everybody's like, oh, you should expand. You do killer numbers. Da, da, da. I just think you could do more. And I'm like, why? Every time I think about it, like, somebody gets bought out. And then I've, like, lost two shops because they own a mobile company or they're buying a mobile company. I'm like, I just rotate shops around. I don't think, I've, I don't think I have one shop that I still service other than my Ford dealer from when I started day one. Because they've been bought out, sold, whatever. Yeah, I haven't had too much turnover. But I've been doing it for eight yeah, and you've half been, years. <laughs> you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. The only shops I've that I don't go to anymore are ones that I fired just because it was just a pain in the ass. So you take what you can in the beginning and then as it grows you realize, okay, well I don't need I don't need this problem when I have all this other good work to do. Let's focus on that. That is that sounds like a speech I gave my surface advisor. You know, like for a while, you know, talking years ago, that you kind of had to take whatever you could. Mm-hmm. And after you start building up kind of a client base, it kind of affords you the opportunity to start shaping it to be the type, if you will, of clients you want. And so, yeah, you just kind of. I don't know if I like the f- the firing thought, you know, and, th- and that's probably just nitpicky with semantics, but mm-hmm. there's just some people that are like, we're not going to make you happy. You're not going to have a good service experience here. So here's a couple of business cards for shops we think might um, might be right up your alley. See, yeah, I like I like that approach that you've yeah you've mentioned that before where it's not. It's not a bad thing. Just be like, hey, this is a better fit for 
you than working with us. And you're everybody wins in that scenario. The right customer gets to the right shop and you know, you're not you're not stuck with it anymore. Yeah, and we'll probably still get the stuff that uh you know, we we would like to get from them anyway, so you know, usually they're upset about diagnostic fees. They don't like it. Well, there's a couple shops that don't charge for diagnostics, especially if you have them fix the vehicle. Send them there. And they're going to be happy for 90, 95, 99% of the time. And then that one time, some issue that shop can't figure out, uh, doesn't have the stuff to do it. They're going to say, you're going to have to take it here. And now they come in almost kind of preconditioned. They know what to expect. And so there's really no ruffled feathers. It's They know what's going on. We know it's going to be kind of a one-time thing. They know it, and it just seems to be better all the way around. No, I I don't know. We can go on a tangent on it. But Lucas Underwood would agree with you 100%. Like, he's done oh, the same Oh, i got to change my mind then. Sorry. In his business, like get a backtrack. He um, yeah, and I don't know. Like Taylor Swift's all the rage right now because she couldn't sell tickets or something on Ticketmaster. Um, but I joke around that she's my she's my hero because I believe in her songs. I should have said no. I should have gone home <laughs> because there's times when I'm just sitting there working on a car going, I should have said no. I should have gone home. I should have thought twice. <laughs> like I'm like her song rings so true. <laughs> I don't I don't think I would know a song of hers if I heard it. Well, tomorrow when you get to work, you're gonna next time you get a car that you don't want to work on, you're gonna go on YouTube. Type in Taylor Swift should have said no and just play the song, and you're gonna laugh your ass off as you work on that car because you're gonna be like, "Wow, this fits perfectly." <laughs> I'm gonna look for the metal cover of it, and then... <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think you playing it on your radio really loud, everybody at the shop will be like, "What the hell?" They probably That's call nine one one. They feel like he's having a psychological break. <laughs> Do you have a portable bedded room because he needs it? <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny. You gotta like, put him on suicide watch. Something's not okay. <laughs> I just laughed that that's the uh, that's the automotive thing song. I should have said no. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know we've all been in that situation. We're just like, why did I agree to this? <laughs> <laughs> I I knew better too. Like I knew that this was not going to go well, or it's going to be a problem. Going to ruin my day or whatever, and then I agreed to it anyway. So I let somebody talk me into it, and I'm getting better, but I still find myself in those situations. I'm just like, God dang it! Well, and the worst part is, is like we're both mobile. I mean, Matt does some mobile, but not to the level. We I don't do. think it's even worth mentioning. Yeah, <clears throat> but you do, and and so you can kind of relate. Is you walk into the shop and you're there for a diag, right? Like, I don't care what it is. We'll just say it's a communication issue. And you're asking the tech, like, hey, what's the deal with this car? Because he spent hours on it, so he should know a little bit more. And he tells you these stories about all this BS testing he's done. And you're like, no, no, no. I just want to know what is wrong with the car, is it the TCM doesn't communicate? Does it only communicate if I hopscotch on Tuesday and then it and then the PCM's on Thursday? Like, what's wrong with the car? I don't care that you say you checked every fuse. And then 
you start your diagnostic routine if um, from I, I want to sw- say it was vision. I think it was vision. Eric's like, you need a diagnostic routine and you got to follow it every time. And I've never thought about it, but he's, he's right. Like I do the same thing over and over and I do it. I don't care what the problem is. Like I have my diagnostic steps and I repeat them every problem, no matter what the problem is. And so one of mine is check every fuse in the car and make sure all fuses are installed in the car. Cause I make more money off installing fuses than I do telling people fuses are blown mm-hmm. and it never fails. That a tech at that shop who thinks he's, you know, God's gift to automotive is like, man, I told you 12 times I checked the fuses. I'm like, listen, I don't care. This is my process. You called me. We were doing this step by step and we'll fix this car. Deviating from these steps has cost me more money and time than I ever care to imagine. So let's just move on with checking fuses. <laughs> and it's always the fuse check that gets them pissed off. Like, oh, what do you mean? You found a yeah. missing fuse. I checked them 12 times. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Well, t- fuse 12 wasn't in its right hole. Okay, dumbass. It was in 14. And 14 shouldn't have been there. It should have been 12. I had one yesterday. It was um for a side object detection. And it was blown. But he's like, I checked it. He's like, I know I checked it. And then I was like, well, what would you use to check it? What'd you? And he, used, he said he used an LED test light. And I'm guessing. And it was like, it was Did one of those fuses. Throw it in the trash can? Because that's what uh, I do. Well, I told him, I was like, there's, right there's, a, the th- there's certain uses for that. This is not them. Because I showed him, I was like, your incandescent bulb and this and that. And he's like, oh, okay. But he, he was pissed at first because I was like, yeah, it's a fuse. Um, he's like, dude, I checked it. I checked it and I showed him. And it's just, just a sliver, just a hair that it was popped. But it, the yeah, so there's and, – and missing fuses does get people because, I don't know, they're not looking at a diagram. I'm not really sure. Um I- I got the best prime example of other mobile techs just missing things that I just don't understand. So my father-in-law passed away July 3rd, okay? So I send my wife to Michigan. Kids and I fly up a couple days later because they have to set funeral and stuff, right? So I'm like, hey, you go be with your brothers, and then we'll come up when it gets a little closer. And so I told all my shops, hey, I'll be leaving in a couple days, but I'll do as much as I can until I fly out. We fly out, I want to say it's a Thursday, right? And I get a call, or no, shop calls me on Thursday, and I left like Tuesday. Hey, we took this bumper off this Honda. We have every light on the dash, and we can't communicate with half the car. Like, dude, I, I don't know. Like, did you leave something unplugged? Like, it's a Honda Odyssey. I think it was a 2018. And he's like, no. He's like, well, I'm like, call. I'm, I, I knew one other independent mobile company. I'm like, well, call him. He seems to have a decent reputation. Call him. They're like, he's been out here for 12 hours. He's made no progress on this car. And I'm like, I'm in Michigan. Like, I, I can't help you. Like, what are the codes? So they send me codes. And it's no communication with radar, no communication with blind spot, lost communication with a multipurpose camera. And I'm like, oh, my God. I have no idea what you fucked up in this car. Right? So he's like, when do you come back? And it's Thursday afternoon. And I'm like, I'll be back Monday. Can you come here Monday and look at this car? I'll just pay for the rental. I've already paid for it all week. It's been here all week. What's another couple days? And I'm like, yeah, I'll come Monday first thing. It's a really good shop of mine. I go down there and I look at it and I'm baffled, right? Like this doesn't make any sense. You took the bumper off. Why'd you take the bumper off? Oh, we had to put new horns in it. The horns went bad. So wait, you took the bumper off? 
put the bumper back and then this happened? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I scan the car. I tell the guy, look, I'll pay for rental. I'm not really mentally prepared for this kind of, like, I really didn't think it was going to, like, I thought it was going to find, like, wires broke or something, right? And it turned out, like, I pulled the bumper loose. There's, everything's plugged in. I'm like, let me, let me research this and come back. So I decide the best way to attack this is pretend that there's only one module not communicating. Because I have, like, seven or eight. I'm like, all right, let's start with the radar. I can get to it. I don't have to take anything apart. So do what everybody does. Check all the fuses. All the fuses check good. Okay, let's go check for powers and grounds with the radar. Oh, ground's good. Power. Oh, I have no power. Where's power come from? Oh, power comes from fuse. I'm 15. I don't know. I'm just making this up. And so I go back in the fuse box. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of these Honda Odyssey's interior fuse boxes. But there's like there's like three fuse boxes. There's like 100 fuses underneath this bitch. So I pull up the diagram in Honda, and it's like Fuse 15 right here. And if there was not that picture, I wouldn't have known. But I'm looking, and I'm like, there's no fuse in that hole. Where the hell did the fuse go? So I go to my truck, get the 10 amp fuse, stick it in, turn the key on. All my lights are off, and everything works. He's like, no lie, that other guy had to be out here for 20 hours. So then I go through, and I check every fuse. He he went, pulled a 10 found the blown fuse pulled the 10 amp fuse out when he went back because there were so many open slots he forgot where it was and stuck it in the wrong slot because finally you know what you know how i figured it out i pulled every 10 amp fuse because it was a 10 or 15 amp it was a fuse where there wasn't a lot of them i pulled them all out and found one where there wasn't a second prong so sure. it had the power prong but no output and i said yeah that's where the fuse went that he put in he put it in the wrong hole Yep. But we get we get them a lot. Oh, sorry, if you're not done. No, I'm done. It just aggravates me that somebody lost like hundreds of dollars in a rental over <laughs> installed fuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get them from the auction. There's a couple shops that God. sort through them. They're always, they, they must just sit there and just pull fuses out of these things when they come through there. Because I've gotten to the point where this shop and these cars... Yeah, that's exactly the first thing I'm doing. I'm like, I'm going to make sure all these fuses are here. And then invariably, okay, this one's missing. This one's missing. Because the first few, they can throw you for a loop, right? If it's like, a, that always seems to be a fuse to like a canned gateway module or something. And just really, really goofy at first. And then you're like, oh, that's just a fuse. Um, but the thing that gets me is like the people that will do something like that, right? Whether it, even, even if it's just a person, like not a technician, owner of the car, like, you did something and now there's a problem. Maybe undo that thing and see like that would be my thought. Yeah. Like if it's something I had no idea how it worked. Well, I just moved this thing and now there's a more of a problem. Maybe I should move it back. But yeah. that thought process must just not happen with some people. I don't know. Yeah, or, or at least mention that you were in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I was gonna say like where I thought that was going was that he spent however many hours out there trying to figure this out. And what I see sometimes is uh, people get overwhelmed. Techs get overwhelmed. Yeah. You, know, you plug in and there's all these codes or all these modules don't communicate or whatever it may be. It just seems overwhelming. And you spend maybe an exorbitant amount of time trying to tie them all together, you know, just pouring over wiring schematics. And how can I relate all these issues to a singular cause? Can I find that one connector, that one ground, that one fuse? 
And a lot of times it's kind of like, you know what? Just pick one. Pick the easiest one you can find. So, like, I had one from a collision shop. We kind of already know what's going to be the uh, situation here. But boatload of codes, boatload of communication codes. And you know what? The active grill shutter stuff looks like the easiest thing. So I go pull the schematic on that, and I'm kind of comfortable with the idea that if I can diagnose the issue with the active grill shutter, I'm going to knock out a lot of these other issues. Or if they're all separate, well, I'm going to have to bang down the line anyways. And yeah, same thing as you're saying. Somehow, some way, either they pop the fuse out, and when they went to pop the new one in, they put it in the wrong slot. But that was it. One fuse fixed the whole mess. But I got there by just worrying about one thing. that I'm going to track down this active grill shutter. If I have a connector that's disconnected, I'm going to end up there anyways. I don't have to figure this out sitting in front of the computer trying to correlate all these wiring schematics together. Let me let me just, you know, if I can do it quickly, great. I don't know. And it could be me. I'm not good at that. I'm just going to say and clear these out. They come back right away. They're hard faults. Let me just pick one of these and try to figure it out. Which one looks the easiest? And that's the way I go. Yep. That's that's great advice. And just pretend like the other problems don't exist. Yeah. Like yeah. don't even don't uh, even I'll think worry about, about them later. Yep. Yep. The the other night, matter of fact, it was last night. <clears throat> um, a guy messaged that he has like twenty ten Malibu, and going down the road, it loses communication like four modules. It's like, oh, I don't even know where to begin. And this guy's a pretty decent diag tech. Like, I watch him scope things. And I'm like, what? And and he's like, oh, you know, I think the BCM might have a bad solder joint. And I have the persona of Facebook of just jumping off the rails and yelling at people. And he's like, let the bashing begin. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to bash you on this part. <laughs> How the hell do you jump to this randomly loses communication and has bad solder joints in the BCM with no tests? Like, come on. And so I kind of walked him through how I do communication problems, which is list all the modules that are broken. Is there anything in common to all three of those modules listed? And like Fanzo said, I'm talking, I want you to name wires like, hey, they all share can high and low. It's all on pin six and 13 or six, whatever it is. And do they share power? Do they share ground? Anything they have in common, write it down. I don't care how stupid you think it is. Oh, everything goes through connector X231. Oh, that's dumb. Why am I writing that down? Just write it down. It's a list. I don't care how dumb it is. Write it down. Now I want you to look at your list of all those common problems and think to yourself, which one is the most plausible that could affect everything in that list? And in his instance, we had another clue. He said that it happens going down the road after you drive it for a minute or two. If you turn the car off, the problem goes away. But if you drive another minute or two, it comes back. And he goes, well, the only thing really in common other than the the gateway is the wires. I said, well, there you go. He goes, well, how am I going to figure out if it's the wires or the gateway? I said, well, you could put a scope on it and drive it down the road. Put scope at five minutes because you said it happens at two minutes. Drive it down the road. As soon as it happens, hit stop on the scope. Come back to the shop. Look at what happened. Did it short to ground? Did it short to power? Like what happened? I'm like, it's very simple. And he's like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. I'm like, don't think about networks or something complicated as a network. Think about it as a light bulb. Like, all a network signal is is voltage going to a source. 
what happened to that source? What happened to the light bulb? Oh, light bulb went off and it came back on. Okay, why'd the light bulb go off and come back on? Don't look at a module as a module. Think about something really basic that you understand. Don't make this problem so complicated your brain can't wrap your mind around it. It needs to be very basic, break everything down to its basic form, and solve it one simple component at a time. We don't care there's four modules down. We want to know what's in common with them four modules. And mm-hmm. I think networks is one of the only times where if you have five or six modules in common, like it's easy to see what's in common with them because when you're on the network diagram, you're like, oh, let's look at powers and grounds. But if you break it down, like you said, it, it, the problems sort themselves out. It's not – it looks like rocket science and you look like this superhero at the end, but you're like, oh, I'm just an idiot who got lucky and you walk off and you go to the next one. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you guys have found too, most of the solutions to these problems that just kill technicians are very simple. Like, I'd say 90%, at least what I'm seeing, what I'm going into. Oh, 95. <laughs> very, very, it's not anything crazy. Like, I'll get those every once in a while, or like, wow, that was wild. I really learned something there. But so much of the time, it's just like, okay, you know fuse okay ground broken wire whatever nothing well i mean you know that uh, i sent you that video of the fuel pressure gauge yeah and it was a what toyota can uh corolla or camry i think it was corolla and it had been to another shop and uh, the complaint was it will not get out of its own way and you know they did the tune up they did so plugs uh they did fuel system service they did the um mass airflow sensor and it got a catalytic converter that's a lot of money Mm -hmm. and it still doesn't get out of its own way and you know quick test drive acts up all the time you could just see it dives lean and both you know i guess the the pre-cat is a AFR, but you could see uh, it dives lean, post-cat dives lean. So this thing's legitimately going lean. I suppose theoretically I could add a weird math issue, but the fuel line's super easy to get to, to put a gauge on, and then go out and drive it. It's a little old school, tape the gauge to the windshield, but you could just watch it drop. So that was a lot of money for a, uh, a fuel pump issue. Yeah. It's a terrific amount of money. And that's something I think, I just feel like back in the day, that was common practice to, you know, throw that fuel pressure gauge on and go for a ride. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. The the same basic problem still exists on cars. Um, a shop put a transmission in a Prius uh, recently and still wasn't shifting is what I was called in for. It's like, yeah, this thing's still not shifting. And I go out and drive it, and I mean, yeah, it's a Prius, it's a hybrid, but, like, I could tell immediately it was plugged cat. Like, you could hear the exhaust, like, yeah, whistling from the yeah. exhaust leak, yeah. And I was just, I can't, I went on a test drive, I came back, I'm like, uh, the cat's plugged, and I, um, I pulled out the WPS just to, like, have a test to show them, so, you know, I felt like I was building value into my diagnostic, but I, I knew right away, and it's just like these are still the same basic things that we've been dealing with, or at least for me that we've been dealing with since day one on, on cars. So what, what gets me is, is these are the basics. Like 
how did we get to the point where the basics are not being solved? And yet, we're supposed to move to EVs and these other self-autonomous vehicles in the next couple years. Because, let's face it, the way the way they want to all these corporations are jumping on the EV bandwagon. I mean, you look at what an EV com- Hummer cost. Holy mother, I'm <laughs> never buying a new car again. Thank God I got a 2020. So in 2030, it's only 10 years old. But I just feel like it's a human it? condition. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it it transcends just auto repair and, and the diagnostics. It goes into academia. It goes into sports. You know, kids watch, you know, whatever, um, Tom Brady. Maybe not anymore. I suppose he's too old. Patrick Mahomes. They watch him. They want to be just like him. But they're busy trying to work on the crazy throws, the fun throws, the highlight reel flow throws. Uh, wide receivers, maybe Jefferson of the Vikings made that crazy catch. Well, they're out there practicing that. And if you go, you know, basketball at Steph Curry or go back to Jordan, they're 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 working on their reverse layups and their uh, fall away turnaround jump shots. But they don't understand that all of those guys. Or if we bring it back into automotive and whoever you want to set up as your very, very top tier diagnosticians, whoever that is, all of them have something in common. They have a really, really, really strong grasp of fundamentals. Yep. And that's what gets them by. They can do this really, really advanced high level stuff because they are firmly grounded in fundamentals. And that seems like there's this weird idea that if I can do this high level stuff, like, so if I can run and I can grab, you know, I got this kick ass scope and I got this really good pressure transducer that I'm set, you know, I got the scan tool now, I got the scope, I got the pressure transducers, I got all these probes, I got all this stuff. No car is going to kick my ass. And yet, it's worrying about this high level stuff and forgetting all the fundamentals that allow you to, I think efficiently use that stuff. I don't mean like how fast you can set it all up, but you get that pattern and it means something. You, you, you have that fundamental understanding of what's really going on Uh, or when it's unreasonable to use that tool, like for whatever this misfire, it's not reasonable to put a pressure transducer in it. It's not going to mm-hmm. tell me what I need it to tell me. Or I do it and I look at it and I can go, this isn't telling me what I need to know. I need to find some other angle. And maybe it's the bore scope. Forget the scope altogether, the lab scope. You got to use a bore scope and look. That's. I just feel like that stuff gets forgotten. Yep. That we skip over the the. You know, the fundamentals, and I don't mean fundamentals easy. I just mean like the underlying base theory of how things work in our world. Auto repair, I mean. And we try to skip all of it by trying to learn learning the most advanced stuff we possibly can, never getting that grasp of that fundamentals. And that's why we get beat up. 
Yeah, I. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the sports. I did the same thing when I was learning to play hockey. I um, I spent like a whole winter going out to the rink, and I wanted to do this move where you pull the puck between your legs, and then you yeah. kind of shoot from the outside. So it's a between the leg shot because it yeah. looks so cool, so flashy. You saw somebody yeah on NHL do it, and I wasted all this time trying to do this. I ended up taking like a two weeks skills course at one of the local rinks and learned I gained so much more. And all we did was like skating drills and just basic puck handling drills and stuff. And that helped my game so much more than going out and trying to do this one stupid flashy move. But yeah, that's what, that's what it is. Um, and I think you're right. Like, um, it's just, I don't know if natural is the right world, but it's it's normal for a young or aspiring person to gravitate towards the, the flashy stuff. Uh, maybe it's because it's what impresses you the most, and so you want to imitate that. Um, but yeah, you got to understand what actually gets you there is going through those basics. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, they used, when I was a kid, they had something called Wide World Sports. And the Harlem Globetrotters would be on every other month or so. And then you're out there trying to do the trick shots. Those aren't what you're ever going to shoot in a game. That's entertainment. But that's the flashy stuff. That's what you wanted to do. And you should have been working on your, you know, mic and drills. I think part of it comes from, I'm going to blame training events. I mean, you go to a training event and nobody brags about going to the basic electrical course anymore, right? Nobody talks about, hey, there's an introduction to Pico 7. I'm going to go sit in that class. Um, ASTE had a class with Justin Morgan going over Pico 7. Granted, it was super heavy BMW Pico 7, but it's Pico 7 nonetheless. And if you ever have the chance to take a Justin Morgan class, you better take it because that little short guy's got some knowledge on him. I come, I'm I'm saying that just because I got. He's got. I was just gonna say it. he's got like three inches on me, so I call oh, him the little awesome. short guy. Um, and it's gonna make him really mad when he hears it later. So it's great. Um, but every time I take his class, I learn so much, and I'm like, this is what a good trainer is. This is what a top tech looks like, and. And Justin will tell you, he's only an A-Tech in one kind of car, BMW and BMW only. You ask him anything else, and he's like, I'm an idiot. I don't – is there is there a badge on the front that says B, that says big money wasted? No, I don't know how to fix it. Don't ask. <laughs> Do you guys think that that is going to be the future of automotive is if you want to be no, top in your area that you need to specialize in? Maybe not a – car line but in one specific area of the automotive industry because i think it's i think it's too much for a young person to come in and here's the whole car here's everything you got to learn it you got to do everything to be an automotive tech um i don't you don't see other industries doing that like i i've said it before on the podcast but like you don't have a house repairman right you have an hvac guy and you got a plumber and you've got an electrician you got a roofer and a carpenter you know right and companies that dedicate themselves to one area of the house but we don't do that we say you're an automotive technician do everything um 
I, I don't know. So that, I was just kind of curious to see what you guys think. Is specialization going to be more common? No, I, I think, think it's been that way for a long time. I don't think it's going to be more common. I see everybody in Facebook flooding to do mobile. They think they are the best thing since sliced bread, and they're going, oh, I don't like my shop. I don't get making off. I'm going to go do mobile diagnostics. I mean, yeah. you can jump on any Facebook group right now and be like, who's thinking about going mobile? Who's gone mobile in the last couple months? And, mm-hmm. and get yeah. 20 or 30 hits. Like, The problem is there's money there now because of certain things, but I think that money is drying up rather quickly, and it's going away fast. Because Yeah, it's like anything, though, right? I mean, it starts out with a few that got to it right away. It's been fairly lucrative. Maybe not in the way they thought it would be either, right? A lot of... I don't know about you guys specifically, but a lot of friends that got into mobile, it was that it was part of it was money, of course, but the, really was they worked in a shop where they had to do a little bit of everything, or at least a lot of stuff they didn't want to do, and they just wanted to focus on diagnostics. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna like, oh, I'm gonna go mobile, and then I'm just gonna do diag all day. And there's very few, not, I'm not saying none, but there's very few that keep it that way. It's usually like, well, programming, you're going to do it. You already got the scan tools because you're going to be using them for Diag, and now you're doing the programming, and now you figured out that if I could do nine programmings a day, that would be way better than two or three Diags or even five Diags. I don't know, but it's or, or way you need to more do... money. Or ADOS. Mm-hmm. Now, lately, ADOS. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You got to do some, or you go, hey, I got to do two programs because that Diag is kicking my ass and I've got five hours in it and I need to bring home a paycheck to buy my kid formula tonight or diapers or whatever. So you do a couple more programs than you normally would because of that. But it becomes more popular. And and, and the the people that are killing it, they're going to talk about it. And, you know, and then all we're adding, you know, now we, do a little bit of diag, try not to do a lot. And if we do, it's no intermittence. And then we do some programming. That's what we do. A lot of programming. We brought in ADOS. We're doing more and more ADOS. We're killing it doing that. Lots of money in that. And, uh, we added keys and key programming and immobilizer stuff. And that's been, uh, you know, a growing segment and you're going to get more and more people doing it. You got corporations, big companies, like you were saying earlier, buying up people. I got well, it's going to dilute the market, right? Mm-hmm. And then the funny thing with ADOS, I guess not to bounce around too much, but the funny thing with ADOS is, depending on I, maybe a little bit on car lines, but in general, a lot of the mobile guys are getting brick-and-mortar areas to do ADOS, whether it's the space, of course, but maybe they also get the alignment machine for some car lines that you know require uh, alignment-type situations i'm thinking like uh i think volkswagen audi might be a good example yeah well now they got a brick and mortar and then you know maybe somebody's like hey could you do brakes on my car (laughs) i don't know if i really want to no we don't really do that but oh because it's you and then they find out like there's a lot of money in this stuff (laughs) now the brick and mortar that was ados and some maybe hair puller diags now has a bay or two doing brakes, steering suspension, and <laughs> next thing you know, they really have a 
brick and mortar shop going on. They got, they got an oil change special out front right. and everything. Yeah, and they're doing $19.99. For every ADOS calibration, we'll give you one free oil change. <laughs> I don't know. It's. We have gone down the rabbit hole of whatever topic we were supposed to be on. But still, I, I, I think it starts to get diluted eventually, right? And now everybody sure. wants to do it. It's going to be harder for those that are in it to make money because, you know, once you start diluting it, there's now you're going to start fighting with uh, dollars. And somebody will always take a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. And then it's like, well, now what? You know? go back into a shop or open up a shop and now it's trying to get more widespread work. You can't specialize so much on the uh, mobile end of things. And then it's probably back doing some Diag because the mobile guys really don't want to do Diag and who could blame them? Cause shop owners evidently do not want to pay for Diag just like the customers they complain about, you know, and this is kind of a dig. Um. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I I find it it's gonna be cyclic, I guess, like anything. Okay, but I think I I still agree. I think specializing and stuff has been around for. I mean, I really broke in in the late late nineties, early two thousands, on IATN. I remember. Steve Brotherton, so IATN, if you don't know, International Automotive Technicians Network was kind of the first online forum for professionals. And when it really got started, it was the, I would say it was the elite of the elite because there was people searching out other kind of like-minded advanced techs. And so IATN, Steve Brotherton had a shop in... um, uh, Gainesville, Florida, Continental Imports. They only worked on, I think, seven car lines, Euros, basically high end Euros. And then I think he threw in like Acura and Lexus. That's all they worked on. But he was preaching that way back when specialization, specialization, specialization. Even if you're in the medical field, you want to make the big bucks, you specialize. That's where the money's at, that competency. And, um, I still think that's true, whether it's specializing in a car line or two or or however many is fit for your uh, shop. So his shop was pretty big. He had dedicated techs. These were the Mercedes techs. These were the BMW techs. These were the Lexus techs, stuff like that. Um, And, yeah, they may do bumper to bumper. But if you're like our shop, all makes all models, no freaking way. No way. Maybe maybe there's a few out there, a few people that are just super special. They can do it all. Bumper to bumper, diag, pull engines, few and far between. The only one I could think of offhand that I know, I guess now I'm starting to think of a couple. Brian Pollock is one. Uh, oh, Matt Ragsdale is one. Yeah, he's a freaking beast in more ways than one. It does help that he's like six eight and three hundred pounds. <laughs> he just <Players> <laughs> <the car. laughs> run, dang it! <laughs> I, um, I tell him I'm really nice to him because I'm scared he could like break me in half with his right pinky. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really that—that's a very elite group. There's not that many of them. Um, and, and 
like even in specializing, let's like let's just say you specialize in diagnostics, right? Like, oh, I'm the diagnostic guy. Even doing all makes all models diagnostics gets a little like, uh, like I talked about Heaven's entry earlier, but <clears throat> I had a twenty. 21 they got new headlights and i had to code them and of course it had like circuit codes and faults and i'm like oh i got the wiring diagrams now i should be able to go through this no problem yeah like learning their terminology and you know yeah i fumbled through it i did make some phone calls thank you david (laughs) um and i made it but it was like what does this word mean what where is this how is this how do they number these like Unless yeah, you do it all the time, like yeah, I don't I, see, I don't know many guys who can diagnose all makes all models. Well, that or even if I say we, which means I'm including myself in that, I'm only including myself in that because that's the shop is all makes all models, and I try to figure out whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't think somebody that can specialize in fewer car lines than me, I don't think I'm nearly as efficient at it as they are. Just case in point, right? Like a 2022 Hyundai Palisade, um, you know, looking up coding. The last time I had to do it was probably on a Kia. And I just remember paying my money for uh, the Kia Tech Info and finding a page on there that listed kind of the um i don't want to say listing the coding but it listed like the options it had so that i could Mm -hmm. do the coding quite easily so i have this image in my mind of how this is going to work on this hyundai and i couldn't find it to save my life i end up just basically guessing and and, you know and, and i and i got it and that's not like heroic but somebody that knows hyundai better than i do either knows where to go to get that info or they knew that you're not going to find it that way. You can look at the car or if you knew what these acronyms are, you can look up the acronyms and figure out what the car's got and then boom, do it and you're done. And I'm I'm speaking, I guess, uh, specifically I was coding the uh, blind spot. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And they're, they're a pain. Yeah. And, and, And so uh, you know, again, specialization, specialize, specialize, you get faster and faster and faster just because you would have to. At some point, you you don't have to even look up a wiring schematic. You know which wire to go to. Mm-hmm. If it's I don't a high, know. High failure I, that's rate out issue. the window anymore. Yeah. You, I mean, I'm sorry. Brian Pollock and I were actually talking about that yesterday. Um, <clears throat> he said, you know, I worked on so many 2008 F350, whatever diesel motor it was in. He's like, you know, there's only 10 modules in the whole car. I knew what every wire was. But he goes, if I work on my 2021 or 2020, I think he's got a 21 F250 Platinum. He's like, if you pull up the wiring diagrams, there's 5,000 pages if you print them suckers out. You're never going to memorize them, you know? Yeah, it just gets to be so much to remember. You know, programming keys on a Subaru is like, you better have all the keys there. Because if they don't bring you all the keys, well, the the three you program there are going to work great. But if they got one or two sitting at home, they ain't working. Oh, no. It gets even better. What about the new Toyota system where (laughs) if you erase the keys, you can never program back in an old key? I I have a friend who's got a brand new Toyota, and it's that system. I'm like, when you go out of town, take all your keys. 
put one in your suitcase, one in her suitcase. Because I'm like, if you lose a key and have to get a new one, you're buying all the keys you need again. Because you can't add them back when you come back. Dang. Well, you're j- they start that. Uh, like 2020. Oh, okay. There's a TSB on it, too, because so many Toyota techs, like, screwed it up. They put out a TSB on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, dumbass. But you're right. Like, to have this random amount of knowledge to be able to anything comes in the door, fix it fast, accurately, and move on. It's a skill that is so far and few between that yeah. I don't think many shop owners even know what they're asking for when they say, oh, I need an A tech. Yeah, I just, it, I look at it from my perspective and it's like, I might get it done. I just don't think it's nearly as fast as somebody that's super competent at it. You know, uh, sometimes it might be, you know, I, I haven't had to use my uh, Honda IHDS for three months. And it's kind of like, okay, log in. Okay, the passwords, I got to change the password. I got to. Oh, now this might be different. Now I got the three-hour download for the update. Oh, yeah, they updated the other day. Good yeah, luck. You know, it just, oh, man. And, you know, you just figure it out on the fly. And I'm not saying, like, it's so hard. I'm just saying there's no way I'm as good at it as somebody that does it every day. Yeah, it's, no not, a, it's not efficient yeah. Um, when you're you're faced with new stuff that you've got to learn as you're going. And so, yeah, until you've done so many of that one, it's going to be, it's not going to be, you know, productive. Um, I, uh, I started writing down at the end of every day and I have Google docs set up for all the vehicle lines and I'll go through and all the cars I touched that day, unless it was something again, I'd done a hundred times and I know I just, I make notes. Okay. This was the car the engine, the problem or the code, here's what I did. Or like I program it in this key. Here's the tool that I use. Here's the steps that I did. I'll just put it all down there because I'm, I can't, I, I'm definitely not that person that can remember all that stuff. Like if it was six months ago and I haven't done that particular key since then, I'm like, uh, shoot, I, you know, I got to fumble through this again, like I did before, but writing that stuff down has been tremendous uh, for me because I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't keep that all straight. Um, yeah, I'm bad about it. Like, I don't even write down passwords. I just knock on wood, and one of these days, your life will crash and you're going to lose but... every fucking password in existence. Ask how I know. It sucks. Back them up. <laughs> no, but I have them memorized. Yeah, like, one, I two, three, four, five, six is easy <laughs> to remember. So. No, no, no. You forgot the if word password. If you're a fan of Spaceballs, you know all my passwords. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you when you said, uh, you know, a shop owner is looking for, or doesn't know what they're asking for when they say ATEC, uh, what do you think the average shop owner is thinking of when they say, I want to hire an ATEC? Like, what's the, in their imagination of the guy that's going to come on guy or girl that's going to come on my knee jerk is they can do everything that that is what they think they're getting um i don't i don't know that definition is so rough i think at one time it just meant somebody that was pretty independent that they an a tech could take a repair from beginning to end with very little Outside influence or assistance. They're very self-sufficient. 
like we're talking about, I think it's starting to break up into you can be an A tech in certain areas. So like you're an A tech at steering and suspension, like you can whip up ball joints and control arms with the best of them. And, um, maybe even do the alignments, but then it gets into timing chains. Eh. Dropping down to B's tech status. That seems more reasonable to me. Just a all in all A tech, I think for that to exist has to be in a specialized area. Not even, I mean, maybe more so a specialized car line. You're, you're only working, working on, I mean, I would hate to say even put a number on it. Four car lines. I mean, that's it. You could be bumper to bumper A tech on, you know, a restricted number of car lines. You start journeying outside of that and things start falling apart. And I'm sure there's people listening going like, well, no, I work on everything and I do, do everything and I kill 60 hours a week or whatever. I, I just, I don't, I can't imagine that's the norm. No, I don't think so. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people will selectively filter out what they're not good at. I think a lot of shops do that. Yeah. They're, oh yeah, that goes to the dealer. Oh no, we don't touch those um, in order to take in specifically what they are well-versed in. Um, I, I, see, I see that a ton. Uh, and I guess if the work's there... I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I always wanted to be as a technician. I think in when I was at Firestone, right, and that's what they expected of you is you're here's here's the car, fix everything um, outside of body work. We did it, um, and I I wanted to, you know, at least give it my best shot. You know, try to rise to the challenge and figure it out, and maybe it's ego. That's, that's driving that, but I, that's what I wanted. And so, yeah, I'd get drugged down in the weeds on stuff. Uh, I still do, like, to this day, but... <laughs> you um, only share that. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, that A-Tech, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily like the definitions, like, painting somebody into a box, like, you're a B-Tech and you'll never be an A-Tech, right? Um, but... but- Wait, hold on. That's a factual statement. There's techs, and and I'm just going to be the asshole who says it, who their mental ability is never going to let them be above a C or a B tech. And you know what? Good. We need them people. Just like I need the cashier at Walmart to scan my damn groceries because I'm too lazy to do it. I need C and B techs. Okay? I need the oil change tech. I need the guy to sweep the floor. Like, there is nothing wrong in society if that is your job. Well, certain people do like operate at a higher RPM and like there's the, you're right in that aspect where that's a fact. Like my brain is never going to function like Keith Perkins brain. Okay. Like that's just not going to happen. So th- there's different levels for sure. But I, I hate, and maybe this comes from the teaching side of things. Like I said, painting somebody in a box saying, well, here is your lot in life or in work, and this is what you're going to do. Like, I I want people to aspire to that next level and give it their best shot. And I think from working with a lot of people, you can 
get closer and maybe this comes down to definitions, but you can get closer to that a tech with attitude and with effort and beat out a lot of other people, even if maybe that mental capacity you've, you've hit your, your ceiling on it. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but. Well, I, I think you're talking about something specific or if we're talking about some high level of intelligence, it's, we're talking about it more of an extremes of what we're working on day to day, you know, throughout the an entire shop, there's a lot of stuff we do that just doesn't require ultra high intelligence. And I mean, I can't even say my shit really constitutes ultra high intelligence when it really comes down to it. But like the whole work thing, it, it's interesting, like the work ethic, like you could get very, very far, whether it's a C tech, B tech, A tech, whatever, just a good work ethic. And we'll say like, we can't find people that are want to work hard. You get, okay, they're at work. We don't, we would never, um, you know, describe them as hard workers, but we know that they really enjoy cross country skiing and they go, you know, like Friday night, they go to bed early because Sunday morning they're going to get up at five 30 in the morning to go cross country ski some absurd distance. That's hard work, but they don't view it that way. Right. That's, that's enjoyment. That's playing. I think there's ways that people can take certain aspects of their jobs and just a little bit of enjoyment and end up working harder at it without forcing themselves to work harder at it. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's management, how much of it's management's job to try to inspire that to, to look into that and say, Hey, you know, I know you like cross country skiing. What do you like about it? Well, you know, what you do here shares this with that, you know, um, maybe all of a sudden they can apply some of that effort to what they're doing. It's just kind of an idea is kicking around, right? It's like, what do you mean by hard work? Are they completely incapable of it? It turns out, no, they're not completely incapable of it. But how can we get them to apply a little bit of that at, you know, between eight and five at the shop? Yeah. How do you make them want it? That's the... Well, I mean, you can have... An employee who's money motivated, you can have an employee who's goal motivated, you can have an employee who's motivated by, hey, if you fix these four cars, you can leave as soon as you're done and go home to your family, right? Like, I absolutely hate being in a shop owner group, and every time they're like, hey, man, how can I motivate my employees? What's the best pay plan? I'm like, I'm not money motivated. You could offer me 200000 a year. I'll be like, yep. I still ain't doing them time and chains on that BMW. You want time and chains on a BMW? Justin Morgan lives in North Carolina. Ship a car to him. <laughs> that dude gets off on fixing BMWs. I never want to see one of them pieces of shits again. Right? Like, I'm not a money motivator. But if you were like, hey, man, if you do that BMW chain, you can go home today and stay home tomorrow. I'd be like, all right, I will have those chains done by lunch because I don't want to work on another car. <laughs> right? Like, completely different. And... I mean, 
it's funny because I have a lot of guys tell me, oh, you're an A-tech. And I'm like, I'm not an A-tech. They're like, why? I'm like, if you hand me timing chains <laughs> and tell me I have to do it in book months. time, well, you are going to be so disappointed. You're going to think your lube tech is now more educated than I am. <laughs> because me and timing chains are not friends because we haven't done them in a long time. Matter of fact, I have learned in nine years of doing mobile, if I have to guess at a bolt size... I bring my 8, 10, 12, and 13 with yeah. me because I have no idea what it is anymore. <laughs> Scoop them up with your hand. <laughs> like, nope, nope. Shit, it's a Ford PCM. It's an 11. <laughs> Way I go to the dry. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I, I see the post. Fanzo's in the group. I don't know if Sean's in the group. We're going to have to get Sean in the group. But it's it's ASOG, Automotive Shop Owners Group, and you see it all the time. Hey, I'm looking for an ATEC, and I always ask, well, what do you need an ATEC for? Oh, I need a guy who can turn 150 hours. No, that's not an ATEC. That's a fucking machine. You want a machine. You want a money-producing machine. And let me mm-hmm. tell you, that guy who can produce 150 hours in his 30s, he's great. In his 40s, he's down 20 30%. In his 50s... Just shoot him. Like, the guy's going to be so physically broken in his 50s from doing them kind of numbers that, <clears throat> you know, what's he have left in life? I mean, you're not turning 100 and some plus hours a week on a 40, 45-hour work week without taking some shortcuts. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, and I don't mean shortcuts as in, like, oh, I used my electric ratchet instead of a hand ratchet. I'm talking like, mm, I just kind of picked up that training and tossed it into the subframe, right? Because getting the cherry picker out took 20 minutes, hooking the chain up 20 minutes, you know, and putting it away 20 minutes. Oh, I wasted an hour. Oh, no, I'll just pick it up, set it in there, kind of shortcuts. Yeah, I, and th- I always struggle with stuff like that. Not so much the sheer high, you know, how high that number is, because I don't know. Um. But I always struggle with the when they say that, like, you know, what is an ATEC? I'm looking for somebody that can turn, you know, just for a number, 50 hours a week. Okay. But but what does that mean? I, I, I always struggle with that. Like, are they replacing somebody that turned 50 hours a week? Did the person that they're replacing, were they turning 50 hours a week because your system's good enough to support that? Or were they successful um in spite of the your systems that are in place you know one of those people that gamed it they they figured it out they gamed the system and then it looks good but in reality you bring somebody else in if they don't know the game they're gonna they're gonna look bad and and i was just it just i had a rough time with that you know even one of my techs he's you know for for us, he's extremely fast, very very high quality work, very few comebacks. It, we're just ecstatic with what he does, but he would like a little bit of a reward for his personal achievements. And I'm telling him like I struggle with that because whatever that is, how however we would set that up. Was it coffee in a coffee pot? Picture? No. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it's basically like what if something ends up costing you that's outside of your control, you're going to have some big problems with it. And I understand why, but I'd just rather not have that situation altogether. I'd rather we focus on 
the system and the overall shop performance and profitability than your individual performance because that is a huge contributor to the shop's overall performance but relieves you and uh, others of any of these issues that arise where you missed something by a couple hours because the service advisor couldn't sell it or failed to sell it or there's a parts mix up or a hang up or you know our systems just are not streamlined enough to maximize your amount of production like it just feels like when we're talking about a shop that is very focused on those production levels management has to invest a tremendous amount of time continuously to make sure that that system is as perfect as reasonably can be expected to maximize your production and allow you to maintain that hopefully healthily, you know, cause there's a, I think that's a very real concern that Matt brings up with, you just burn these people out. It's almost like a freaking dairy farm, right? You know, it used to be you milk cows a couple times a day. Well, now they're doing it three times a day and they're burning them out in a few years. It's almost like we're doing that with techs. Like, you know, it's just throttle it way up and set it up so they can just turn and burn and burn and burn and burn. And it's, you know, if they don't get hurt themselves physically, they're burnt out mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, I'm not saying, you know, we got to go back into some, you know, serenity and it's just super peaceful. And we got the flute music in the back. Uh, uh, no, it's Taylor know, Swift. And, <laughs> 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 you, got, you got like the flute music and the, you know, aromatherapy and all that. I'm not saying that, but just, I don't know, dial it back a little bit. Why why not just make it so we're more profitable with the production down a little bit? I'm not saying like 20 hours a week, but you're shooting for these 60 hours or 50 hours. What would, what could, what do we got to do to back that down to 40? And then everybody's maintains what they would have been if they're at 50. It's just, Kind of kicking around the idea. What does that look like? Well, here's here's a fun thought. We're going to talk about other service industries for a second. <clears throat> you don't ever see a roofing ad go, hey, I'm looking for a roofer who can do three roofs a day. Yeah. You don't see a computer programming ad go, hey, I need somebody who's good at C++ or Python or something else. Oh, and you got to be able to write 10,000 lines of codes. That's what I was going to say. You have to do like 10,000. Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> You don't see them ads. You just see, hey, I need somebody with X amount of years of experience. They know roughly what that person's going to bring to the table, and and that's it. And but yet in this industry, there is oh, you got to have all twelve ASEs. I don't even know how many there are anymore. I've stopped keeping track. We add a new one every other year. It seems you got to have oh, you got to have like experience with ADOS, uh, and you got to know programming, and and you got to know this. Oh, and I want you to be able to manage our shop flow plus turn 60 hours a week. And it's like, wait a minute. Do you need an ATAC or do you need like a shop foreman and a TAC, right? Like what are you really looking for here? And and it just cracks me up because like if you say something like that's not an ATAC, that's like three jobs in one. Some of these shop owners are like, you don't know. You're just not good at this. And I know what I need to run my shop. And I'm like, no, you're trying to get a million dollar player for 20 bucks an hour. And 
this is why you haven't found anybody. Like, you're hoping to land on Mars with a spaceship that's not leaving the platform. Yeah, I got this. Me- I got this image in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you ever seen this? A Spinal Tap? No. Oh come mm-hmm. on, really? Nobody watches these corny movies that you do. It's, <laughs> it's probably the first mockumentary ever made. About I've a seen rock a Spinal band. Tap done. It ain't pretty. Yeah, this is Spinal Tap. It's a mockumentary about a, a rock band. Heavy. I don't know if it's technically heavy metal, but we'll go with it. But there's a classic scene that I thought everybody's seen where he's standing there during his interview and they're showing him the amplifiers. And he's like, check this out. See this? See that there? And he's like, oh, it goes to 11. Yep. So why do you have that? Well, you know, we have a set at 10 and then you just need that little extra. Turn it up to 11. And then he's like, well, why don't you just make 10 louder? <laughs> well, yeah, but this goes to 11. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking, like, you know, you're, you got whatever manager or shop owner going, like, yeah, we got to get 60 hours a week. Why don't you just make 40 hours more profitable? Well, yeah, but he does 60 hours. What, what, no. what What's stopping most shops from being able to do that? What do you mean? To make 40 hours worth of work profitable enough to pay somebody what they want to make. I don't know. That, you, that gets you a whole thing on numbers. Answer, you want me to be like politically correct and beat around the bush for 10 minutes? No, oh, I'm just I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts. Fear. Fear. Yeah, I was I was going to say fear. Uh, you, the other I thing can't. is I don't want to make a I don't want to assume that turning 50 hours is so brutal. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how much of it is to do with. I don't want to using make, 50. I don't want to make arbitrary pencil. number. Yeah. And, but I don't know. I also don't want to make it sound like I, I'm saying if there's creative writing or, you know, they're selling value, right? That, that, I wish I could think of a better term. Pencil whipping is coming up, and that's a very condescending term for it. I'm just trying to think of a, a better way to say that you're working 40, you're billing 50, and you're good at your job, and the service advisor is good at their job, and it's not overselling. It's not an unreasonable goal of 50. Um. But if it's one of those things where the tech is killing themselves to hit 50, I suppose you could streamline the process. Or can you make 40 hours more profitable and then the tech doesn't have to kill themselves to hit 50? They can hit 40 and everybody does the same or better. And I still think it goes back to what Matt says. I think there's fear involved. Because what what would you have to do to make that happen? Well, most likely the rates are going up. 30%. Labor rates going up. Yep. The uh, parts matrix are probably getting altered to go up. Average tickets going up. And now you're worried about pricing yourself out. But is that is that realistically a fear? I mean, I don't know if we were recording when I said it, but my Ford dealer is backed up three weeks at two twenty five an hour. Two to- for a Ford. <laughs> 
Like, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like too ultra confident about it, but I just feel like generally they find no. The the raising their rates as long as you're as long as you're fulfilling expectations is probably a scary word to use, but at least within an, an acceptability uh, acceptable expectations of the client, like they feel like they're getting good value for their money, at least good enough to justify it. No, there will be no negative repercussions to raising your rates. You might lose a couple of clients, but you've probably gained some up. Gain some back. But let's talk about the financials of a business because, you know, that's Sean's big game here. He loves it so much. What is it? The top top 20% pay 80% of the shop's bills and the bottom 80% pay the other 20. Like, if you lose 80% of your clientele because you raise your rates 20 bucks an hour, you're not actually losing anything. Yeah, that's um I think that's like classic Pareto's um distribution. Yeah, it's really weird, but it's funny how well it works. Even in my mobile yeah. business, like I have like six or seven shops that basically pay if if I lost everybody else I wouldn't care. Yeah, I mean I think that's a actually somewhat reasonable w- way to look at it that you could lose a fair number of clients and it won't affect you as much as you think. Yeah, David Roman, who does the ASOG podcast on one of them, he actually said, like, I heard that in a management class. And he's like, I was sitting in class screaming like BS in my head. He goes, the day I got back to my shop, I went through all my clients and was like, and he goes, well, I'll be damned. (laughs) He goes, it was like right there, like, you know, 20%, you know, 80% of my income came from the top 20% of my customers. Like. That's the Pareto distribution, which I believe most people refer to as the 80-20 rule. The fact that sure, yeah, I've, I've heard it referenced that way. Not not about money necessarily, but just like your efforts in life. That's, that's the same way that that works out. Yeah, I, I know I've mentioned it. I probably mentioned it, and uh, I think I accidentally mentioned, or not accidentally, but I think I mentioned it on my podcast, though, that it, it's the craziest thing. We, we've always talked about shops going out of business that don't keep up, but it's never really happened. No. But within the last, it, it's probably a little over a year now. It's probably dialing into two years, but we've had three shops locally, you know, within a, let's just say a, a 15, 20 minute radius close. All three were on the bottom end of the labor rate spectrum. I'm not saying they were bottom end shops by any means, but the labor rates were towards the bottom end of the spectrum. They're the ones that failed. They're the ones that couldn't um, absorb issues with, you know, I'm sure COVID played a role. Uh, Other things, you know, a couple of them had, or not, I don't know. Yeah, I guess two of them had some health issues. But they, because there's no reserves, they couldn't weather the storm. I, when COVID hit, I had a major panic attack. Hey, we're going to lock everything down for six weeks. And I went, oh my God, I have no savings to pay myself because I had invested every penny back into the business. And it was funny because 
for two years, I don't think I bought any equipment. And then this year I went like, okay, I bought a van. I bought a 2021 Transit. I have nothing old, Fanslow. I just want you to know this. All my cars I, are pretty rub new. Rub it in my <laughs> face, man. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I worked out of my 2015 Silverado forever, and I still have that. So I guess that's kind of old. I drive old. like a 2006 Ford Escape. Yeah, but that's because you live like five minutes from work and enjoy rust. It's like 17 <laughs> minutes. I just sold my 99 F-150 a couple weeks ago. So How was that not just a brown puddle in the middle of the road? It, it was a nice uh, white slash brown paint color because of the rust. So. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I didn't buy any new equipment. Like, I didn't care. I'm like, I'm not buying it. And I saved and saved and saved and saved. And then... My accountant was like, look, dude, you're going to start giving a lot of money to government. You know, start buying some stuff. <laughs> We're going to buy some stuff. So this year I went on a spending spree. So, and maybe this is way off track. I'm just thinking along these lines. A lot of people saying, you know, we're going to see some sort of economic crash within the next couple years and who knows what will happen like you can't predict that stuff but um what do you think will happen to the automotive industry in that case because i i was thinking back to 08 when i started like i just bought a house and i was two years in as a tech and i was panicked like same thing you were saying matt like i was like oh crap how am i gonna pay my bills and it turned out it was just fine like we had more work than we know what to do with than i did before or after so i loved covid i wish it'd come back (laughs) but i feel like the last year year and a half people have been spending money on fixing their cars like it's going out of style like i've yeah because you can't buy a new one very yeah go order a transit and and watch them laugh at you if you try (laughs) to order a transit right now they're going to tell you yeah you'll get it in 24 like, I am seriously considering in January going to buy another Transit. Why? Because in another two years when it gets delivered, mine's <laughs> going to have 100,000 miles on it. It's already depreciated out of its five-year depreciation scale. Screw it. Just get the new one. Start a new depreciation asset. Like, and And I'm not a shop. Like, I don't have the brick and mortar expenses of, Oh, I can paint this year or, you know, some of the other fun stuff you can do at a shop. So, and I honestly don't want to fix my vehicles on the weekend. I fix bullshit Monday through Friday, seven to seven. I ain't fixing my crap on the weekends. That's why I have new cars. (laughs) But I mean, if you can't buy a new car, you have to fix the one you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the used car market has has been, just crazy too for the cost of vehicles but i'm just wondering if it takes a dive here i mean it already is i think it started to slow down this month on people spending um but if it really takes a dip you know what's going to happen to you know those shops that like you say don't have don't have enough stored away to weather the storm or to even go back to what normal was two three years ago um I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. I think we're going to see a slew of young techs. And I mean young. 
who don't have any experience who think they did okay in mobile because of ADOS buy some of those failing shops because they have some money saved. Mm -hmm. And they did okay in ADOS because they were by themselves, the overhead was low, they could wing a lot of it, and your comeback rate is not... Let's say it's all body shops, right? If the if the comeback rate's there, they could blame it on something that was accident related, not have to worry about eating apart. They're gonna buy these shops thinking, Hey man, I knew one of my shop owners was doing a million a year in sales. I wanna do that and they are gonna fall hard and fast and we're gonna see a shift. Because you can go to any young person and be like, Hey, what's your operating expenses? on most of these mobile guys and they have no idea. They don't know how much they're spending in scripts a year. They don't know how much they're spending in equipment. They have nothing budgeted. They just kind of go by the seat of their pants. So like, oh, I got an Altel MA600 or a top on ADOS machine. It does it all. And the stuff it doesn't do, I just buy as I need it. Well, they're not budgeting that. They don't They don't know what that expense is, right? They don't, they don't track wear and tear in their vehicle. They're writing off the, what, 70 cents a a mile you get from the government and saying, oh, that's wear and tear. I could fix it myself. I'm a mechanic. But what they're not realizing is, is you're charging 150 plus an hour doing ADOS. If you have to spend a Saturday fixing your car or God forbid a Monday or Tuesday, you have 16 hours at 150 an hour to fix your car. You're better off paying somebody else to fix it, <laughs> renting a vehicle and going to do that job. Like it's a net zero gain, but in in actuality, because you paid somebody, it's now a tax write off. You actually made money because you wrote something off, right? Yeah, you you made two thousand. You paid two thousand in repairs, but I'm I actually took a loss on that two thousand because I paid the repairs. So I'm now negative income. Which, according to the government, is great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds dumb, but it works. And that's why I don't fix my own cars anymore. I just want the tax right off. Like, I, and it doesn't always work out that way. Like, at a certain point, like, spending $30,000 on a Zentry to write off, like, let's say 7% might not pay off if you can just hand the government a check for seven grand, right? And then keep the other 23. I get it. But... I think we're going to see a slew of young techs open shops and fall hard because they don't know numbers. And I think the economy going the way it is with interest rates, it's not going to be like what it was years past, right? Like if, if I got to get a loan at 8%, I'm really going to debate if that loan's worth it at 8%. Where when the mm-hmm. loan was 2%, I didn't care as much. I, I'll take that loan. It's 2%. Who cares? But if we go back to when Fanslow was knee high to a grasshopper and we hit them 18% interest rates on, on mortgages, mm, people aren't going to refinance to fix some stuff or do things. And, and I think it's going to change the dichotomy of car repair. And I think we're going to see a lot of these shops that can't money manage and don't understand the process of actually being a business owner fail. And it's going to be the young techs who didn't understand because they made killer money doing mobile and now want to buy a shop because that's the next step, right? Mobile got them started and got them an income, but the next step, the real money's in a shop, which if it was, they'd have stayed working in a shop to begin with. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see a struggle with an economic downturn or 
like strict straight up economics i'm not i'm not sure i see us having big struggles what i would if i would have a fear and i i feel like it's fairly unfounded but you know just as a you know thought experiment i guess um if we revisited a cash for clunkers type situation with EV. Oh, I think it's coming. Yeah, if they want to press, really press people trading their ICE in, you know, inter- internal combustion engine, engine uh, vehicles, inter- doubled up on the engines, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles to go to EV or HEV, that, that would not, that would hurt. That would hurt mm-hmm. a, hor- a lot. <clears throat> And that yeah. would be good enough reason for everyone to start thinking like, hey, we better get about six months or so uh, or better savings, uh, you know, expenses saved up because I don't know how realistic that scenario is. You look at California and you're thinking, yeah, it's kind of realistic. I, I don't know. I don't want to be like a fear California ones. either. California said no ice engines after what, 2035? Yeah, so if there's some sort of a program leading into that where we're going to reward you for trading in that, you know, whatever vehicle with a just a straight-up internal combustion engine to go to this pure EV or HEV, you know, hybrid, then that would hurt because now it would be kind of cash for clunkers revisited in that. My memory of that was for a few people that hurt. Mm-hmm. That car counts dropped. Um, and and again, like it's it's more just if that if I had a fear, that's what my fear would be: is something like that, a program like that, that would be directly, that would directly take vehicles out of our base. And it's not even so much that they're EVs specifically or hybrids, just that it's enabling people to not have to fix that car anymore, getting something new. And it's it's taking a car that would be in our bays out of it for three to five years. Yeah, and if they crush them like they did with the... the Exactly. Cash for clunkers yep. that that changes changes quite a bit too. Yep, exactly. Oh, I think it's coming. I mean, the the big the big fear is the global warming, the global changes that are happening and it's like, "Oh, EVs the future, renewable resources." I I think they'll do something. I just wish they'd be honest about it. They can't. Well, I mean, it's true. To push an agenda, they can't. But it's... I'm not saying EVs are bad. That, you know, it does lower, or uh, to a degree, fossil fuel requirements. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's a unicorn fart. Yeah, it just if they would just kind of start leveling with people, and then you wish, but you know that should almost burn my mouth to say, right? That should <laughs> cause me physical pain. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. We could go down some serious rabbit holes with this discussion if we go down, even start it. So I'm going to bail. I, that, I don't think yeah. an economic downturn will hurt us. I think some sort of a cash for clunker-esque program that could really hurt. I just don't I, know what the feasibility of it is. I'm going to disagree because look at how much money we found out people didn't have during COVID, right? Like the average American had $200 in their bank account. I I think most people live on credit cards. If we have an economic downturn and interest rates hit real high and these credit card fees go up, I mean, I don't understand how people. I, I've learned from my childhood mistakes, as, as I should say, because paying 34% on your credit card is dumb. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I, I think it's going to affect people. Um, I don't think it's going to affect everyone. I think there's going to be shops who have been in place. They have relationships. You know, they've they've built a rapport and they don't. I don't want to say they oversell. I, I don't know how to word it. Right. Like they come in and they're like, hey, you know, hey, Miss Jones. Yep. Hey, just to let you know, your axle boot's torn. You, you should get it fixed, but you know we understand you're on a you're on Social Security, so just start budgeting for saving that. It's going to cost X amount, right? The shop's not going. Hey, you need to buy an axle today. You know what I mean? Like they, I think the shops that have a genuine care for their customers, and they've built that reputation to care in a downturn, won't see it. But some of these shops that I see that are sell, 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 um, I think they might see it, if that makes sense. I don't know how to word it as elegantly as Fanslow would, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Strip over your words for a while, then that's how I word it. Yeah, I just think it's going to be it's gonna be tough for a lot of shops to match what they did in the last calendar year, um, based on what I've seen the volume that's gone through some of these places. And if you've handled that responsibly, the money that you made and invested it, you know, one way or another into your business, then you're, then you're set up for the future. But if you haven't, and you're used to that amount of money coming in, I I think it's going to change. It's it's not going to be the same as it was last year. Um, I think that's going to hurt some shops. And I I am thinking of specific places that I go to and I see how their businesses are run. Right. Um, And I'm like, okay, well, this is definitely going to make a change if they're not managing. And that goes back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, with paying tech, being able to pay technicians properly and all that stuff. They're not managing it properly. Um, A a downturn or just a return to normal. uh, I think it's really going to, knock a few foundations loose from the, from these places. So, and in the body shop world, I mean, I don't know how much you're in the body shop world, Sean, but in my body shop world, all the mom and pops are being bought out by big corporate. Mm. All of them. Like when I started eight years ago, I went to seven or eight Christmas parties every Christmas, right? Because the shops are like, hey, man, it's just you. Why don't you and your wife come to our Christmas party? Oh, when is it? Oh, it's December 13th. Oh, I can't come. Why can't you come? Oh, so-and-so down the street's having it at the same time. Oh, screw it. I'll move mine. It's only five employees. We can get dinner another night, right? And now it's like corporate, 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 one mom-and-pop shop. Um, matter of fact, one of mine just sold out, and I'm kind of shocked because he has two kids, and I'm like, I really thought his kids were going to take over, and he's like, nope, sold out. And 
So it's definitely kind of an interesting thing, like the way things are going and selling out, that why are these body shops being bought out at the rate they're being bought out at? Like, it's insane. I mean, if you go to Orlando and type in Gerber or Caliber, there's seven, eight minimum Gerber, seven or eight Calibers in Orlando. Now we have five classic, I don't know, it's like classic body shops. We have three Coggin shops. Like, how many giant, and I'm talking like giant shops. Like, I'm going to say each one has 20 bays. Like, holy God, the amount of cars there is just insane. And they're they're busy all the time. So they keep getting more and more of these big corporate body shops. I think at some point somebody's going to go, hey, we need to start buying these mechanic shops because we're, we're sending all these cars out for mechanic work. And mm-hmm. we're not getting it back in time. Let's start buying these small mom and pop mechanic shops. Yep. And I, I think it's the next thing to come. And if that happens, we'll see a, a big change in the automotive industry. I thought there was going to be, you know, you know a, a gradual slowdown in the body world with the addition of all the you know, driver assistance systems uh, leading into right. autonomous features they and stuff. Wreck but then, more than cars without autonomy. <laughs> well, the, it's been snowing here for the last four days in Minnesota, and <laughs> so so many people in the ditch, and uh, it, it seems to be every other one is a pickup. But um, it's like, oh, I guess I, I guess the body shops are doing just fine around here. I see and. And I really thought being in Florida, no snow, right? Like, we get a lot of rain, but it's not, I don't know. I really didn't expect body shops to stay busy with Ford collision avoidance and everything else. Like, my my transit has collision avoidance. And, and I will tell you, there's been a couple times when, like, a car has cut me off and it slammed on the brakes. And I'm like, wow, that shit works. And I'm going, how do all these cars wreck all the time? Like... I don't understand. I've never done so many Toyota radars in my entire life. Like, do these people just not use the system? Like, what is the deal? <laughs> I think that's a lot of it. Um, and and then I think just complete reliance on it. I think eventually they just assume it's going to work. So, you know, kind of like some of the Tesla drivers, if you will you get lulled into a very false sense of security. Like it's pretty darn amazing, you know, riding with Seth and his plaid or riding with Scott Brown and his model three, like it would be very easy to start really trusting the system. And that's not picking on Tesla's system specifically. It's just in a way it's so good. You get comfortable with it. But it's so good until it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think do that a lot with a lot of, you know, they, they set up their um, adaptive crews or whatever, and just, they let it handle it. And it does all the time until it doesn't. I love adaptive crews. You know, and then it's <laughs> maybe not as bad as if they weren't paying attention and just slammed into somebody, but it's enough to do damage. You know, mm-hmm. so the system kind of... De- I, I guess I haven't really looked deep into it to see if the severity of crashes has um, reduced because of it. Uh, but 
they still have them. But maybe no, instead of slamming whole- into the back of that car at 60, they're slamming into the back of it at 40. Yeah, but the amount of damage done at 40 is the same as 60 because they've made the whole car a giant crinkle toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, Watching a which lot I'm of F1. For. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, they have because it, no. it's saving lives. I yep. mean, I I have a, uh, I have a body shop um, that has a 22 Silverado, and it went through a light in a 60-mile-an-hour zone. Well, 55, so it's a 60-mile-an-hour zone. It went through a green light. And a, a Suburban did not stop at the red light, and E.T. boned him. The whole front of the car, truck is shifted. I mean, you can clearly see it a foot to the right. And it's like, oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, the Suburban rolled. Everybody walked away. Nobody was hurt. And I'm like, do what? And, I mean, you walk over to that Silverado, and the frame rails are pushed almost, you know, the engines into the firewall and you can still open the driver's door. And I'm like, he freaking T-boned a Suburban at 60 mile an hour. And that's like, the door still functions. Like, that's incredible. You guys watch those, uh, you guys watch those uh, National Insurance Institute crash videos. Those are, the has been my favorite. I do those. Don't don't buy a Dodge truck. That's what I learned after watching them. They suck. (laughs) 30% 30% lap, you're dead. <laughs> well, that or they'll do the, like the pedestrian detection tests. And I guess one interesting thing is to see how much they've improved over the years. Mm-hmm. Where they're regularly just smoking people, you know, the dummies, test dummies. Uh, I think now the issue is uh, nighttime, that the systems don't work so good at night. Mm. But they've made dra- some crazy improvements. You know, I think Subaru's eyesight was already always pretty darn good at it um especially in daytime uh, but i think if i you know i'm going off memory here i'm thinking as nissan was the first time through i mean it was just regularly um you know monster truck in the freaking uh test dummy but <laughs> at subsequent years it was getting better and better until it was ex- you know quite good i think all of them got to where they were quite good at least for that tests um but yeah, I get a kick out of those um, videos. You know, I really want to see the new 22 Honda Civics test because it's a new body style. And their radar is now a mono binocular camera in the windshield. There's no radar. So the way I read it and understood it was it's a single lens camera. The, le- the light comes in and there's two camera lenses behind that single lens to give it depth. Mm-hmm. So it's a mono binocular camera, right? And mm. it's interesting to calibrate one of those because it's dynamic or static. And you're like, oh, let's try dynamic. And so you get in it and you drive it three tenths of a mile down the road. It's like complete. You're like, you've getting me. Ching. <laughs> this is great. I didn't have to set up nothing. And you put it in radar mode, and it—I mean—you would never know that you're that you're using a camera for for radar. And it's Florida, so it rains here a lot, so I can really test it. I mean, even in a heavy downpour, it worked better than a, a radar car because the wipers are cleaning it so much yeah. on hyper wipe mode that it it works. And I'm like, oh, this is a little scary. Like we're only now having a camera in the windshield instead of a radar in the front. But why are they doing that? Well, partly I'm guessing is repair cost of a car, right? 
a radar seven eight hundred bucks and a honda it's another part takes another chip right with the chip constraints now i mean i have hondas that are waiting on radars for six eight months at a time so you know them customers are calling honda pitching because they're making a car payment every month and they can't drive their car because there's a part on back order so was it was it tesla that said or decided to go all cameras or they said cameras were the way to go with that stuff absolutely yeah i think they're even turning stuff off so as the software is coming out there's certain uh sensors i think that are getting shut off huh to go primarily if not um 100 optical and i do find that amazing i i really do yeah i, I always thought if I had to put money on stuff, it would be a the big time sensor fusion or multiple cameras, especially like LIDAR. Not that I thought LIDAR was so great, but I thought it would complement optical really well. And LIDAR, I guess not that you couldn't with a optical, but it'd have to be a special camera, but LIDAR afforded you like 360. And that just made a lot of sense to me that now it can look... 360 degrees at all time it puts in a, the car in a very strong position of being able to see better than a human you know because we have our field of vision and it's narrow compared to 360 degrees uh, that all of a sudden that like that would be the big tipping point for or not the like one of the big tipping points for autonomous driving but like Tesla is not going to go LiDAR at all or radar, 100% optical. If I mean, if it works, I can't imagine others not following suit. I guess, I mean, I guess we'll find out. Oops. Yeah. Here's going to be where the rubber... Is my mic still on? Yep. yep. Okay. It didn't go blue, so I was like, oh, what the flip? And I can't <laughs> see if it's dead or not, so I don't know. Um, the, the rubber is going to meet the road, the first accident where there's no radar, right? Like, Hey, that camera can't see that white 18 foot or 24 foot long semi trailer. And it just slammed into the side of it and decapitated a husband, a wife and two kids. Would a, would a, would a LIDAR sensor have saw it? Oh yeah. Would have saw it. Oh, well then we need to mandate them back in. Right. And that's where the rubber is going to meet the road is some lawsuit because I think there's an issue with the cameras and seeing large white objects. If I remember right. And, and the cameras have an issue with parked objects. If I remember right too, because Tesla seems to slam into park things pretty well, like fire trucks (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and the fire trucks and the emergency vehicles, it's something to do with the strobing lights on the top to let you know that there's an emergency going on is what causes the issue. Huh. Um, with the cameras, because the, the red and the blue light send off a waveform, and it, and it kind of blinds the camera from seeing the object itself because the light is so strong. Interesting. I never heard of that. It, it. I read the article like years ago when Tesla slammed into the back of a parked fire truck and they were putting out a fire and then had to rescue the guy out of the Tesla because he slammed into a parked fire truck because he wasn't driving his car. It was on like, you know, 
automatic cruise control. Yeah, the water bottle rubber band. Yeah, to taped the to the steering wheel. wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What were well, we supposed to talk about tonight? I don't even remember. <laughs> we mentioned it, so I think we're good. I had fun, though. Yeah, two hours just like that. It's like it, it'd been almost a whole year since we did one of these, the Matt and Matt show. Well, that's because <laughs> that's because I'm the only one without a podcast at this point. I think I'm going to start a podcast just to join the cool kids. <laughs> it's a trendy thing. Yeah, it sounds God. cool. I don't know about me. I got a I got a call from another guy who's going to be starting one up here pretty soon. I won't uh, I won't out him until he gets it going. But uh, it's like yeah, let's let's get it going. More the merrier. And I don't know. I listen to podcasts, but it's funny. Like everybody makes fun of me. Like oh, you watch YouTube? No. <laughs> oh, you don't watch any car YouTube? No. If I watch YouTube, it has nothing to do with cars. It's almost ninety nine percent woodworking. And even then, I'm annoyed because the guy's like, oh yeah, here, let me come over to my. $12,000 CNC machine here to cut out this custom piece. <laughs> and I'm like, well, fuck you. I got a $12,000 CNC machine. I wanted to see how to cut a round piece, you know, with a hollow center without a CNC. And, um, which now I want a CNC. Um, and I if I. That's what the Roto Zip was for. Yeah. <laughs> if I do podcast, it very rarely is it an automotive podcast. I will say you and Matt are probably the only two I really listen to on a regular. Um, I really enjoyed um, Brian Pollock's one the other day. That was that was fun. Um, and yours are fun, yeah. Sean, because they're all technical. And I'm like, ha ha, some other dumbass is trying to fix cars. What an idiot. <laughs> 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 and then I go to Matt's and it's like, oh, you know, the suicide rate is 60% in the automotive industry. And I'm like, oh, let me put the gun down. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of technical things. Have you? Technically, yeah. Maybe I skipped <laughs> them because I'm like, oh, look, it's Matt talking about scopes. I'm skipping this. Well, yeah, there's the scope one and then the lightning strike Silverado and. I think we had kind of a derivative of one of the electrical ones. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know. We need to have one about coffee at this point. <laughs> that might be in the works. That was the greatest conversation I've ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was something. It did not go the way I thought it would. And I was not... It did. And I don't say that like I was expecting a bunch of likes and pats on the back at all. I just thought it would be a really good conversation about etiquette and ethics and positions of power. And no, no, way not that way. I I, I missed this. Was this a Facebook thing? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to add you to the ASOG group since you own a I'm, small I'm pretty group. sure I'm in there. I, I took Facebook off my phone a while back, though, so I miss out on stuff, but I enjoy not having the actual app on my phone. Dude, it is my entertainment when I'm waiting for Ford to program for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Matt posted Dude. something. That's ought to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> oh, yeah, speaking of programming, I don't even know how to charge anymore for the newer Fords. I don't know. You, you haven't probably done many. The FDRS. But, 
Yeah, like my wife's 2020 Explorer had a recall for the rear camera, right? Because the rear camera doesn't work like we're shit. And it's kind of important because they have such shitty side view mirrors. Like you can't see when you're backing up in this Explorer sometimes. And and, and the other thing is you kind of become dependent on the rear view mirror. Like I can back it up just fine. But you or the rear view camera, you just become dependent on it because it's there and the 360 view. And so it was a, uh, <clears throat> they said, oh, you need to update it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll update it. 47 minutes for the rear view camera. Holy Jeez. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's, that's a lot of firmware. We're talking like two gigs. Jeez. I, dude, and it wasn't like, it was like downloading file. Because I did it at home because it's my wife's and I have good mm-hmm. room at home. It was like programming one of 703. And I'm like, yeah, how fast I, is this going to go? Boop. I did Boop. a PCM and I think it was a 20 transit or something like that. And that's that's what it was. It was like 300 blocks and then it would go one by one by one. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. And. And I mean, you look at the 2020 F-150s. They've got the Blue Cruise, and they had a they had a they had like a uh, an enabling recall. I don't know what it was, but there was a TSB that says, "Hey, if you have to update this radar, it's going to take you eight hours." And I remember going, "Somebody missed a decimal point in the wrong spot. That should say 0.8. No way a Ford should take eight hours." And I'll never forget um, Brian, who works with Eric, called me. And uh, he goes, hey, you know anything about these 2020 F-150s? They put a radar in this thing. And I've been here for like an hour. And it is just still programming. And I'm like, no, no, I can't think of it. And then it dawned on me, right? I'm like, hey, does that have the big new touch screen? Because in 20... There's two styles of trucks, right? There's the old body style, and then there's the new body style. Is that the new style truck with the Blue Cruise? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that could take eight hours. Mind you, he calls me, and it's four o'clock. And he's like, let's do a quick one at the end of the day here. (laughs) Right, right, because it's a front radar, and we've done hundreds of them. And and it's one of those that you kind of don't know if you don't know. And I'm like, no, dude, it could take a while. He called me like four and a half hours later. He's like, yeah, it's done, but I ain't calibrating it. Screw that. It's like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> but I mean, I think I did. What other module did I do? Oh, I did the rear lift gate because there was a there was an update on my wife's rear lift gate. That was 50 minutes. I'm like, what the hell? Like they've turned into BMWs. <laughs> Except it doesn't do the whole car at once. You got to sit there and click it every module. Click, 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 click. So, yeah, it's terrible. So be warned on the new one, Sean. Be warned. Good to know. All right, I'm going to bed. I got to be up in five hours to go to breakfast with a transmission shop owner. Speaking of specializing, sounds good to me. Appreciate you guys' time as always. Good talk. We'll yeah, we'll do part two in two weeks. All right. This <laughs> fans will always close us out his podcast. Are you up for a part two? I'm always up for part two of the Matt and <laughs> Matt show. his head like I have right. to- Well, I was like, yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs>
No, no. The saying is, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, see. Next time you see Eric, you got to tell him, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Eric's been giving me shit about saying that because I won't admit, like, you're right. I always say you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been fun. All right. Well, you boys have fun. I'm going to write some more bills and bill people so I can get paid. Because I'm a terrible (laughs) business person and do it at one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Sweet. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Big thank you to Matt and Matt for taking two hours out of their night to BS with me. Really enjoy it. Great talk to those guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Also like to thank everybody out there for listening to the podcast and feedback about the podcast. It's great to chat with you. Um, if I don't get back to you right away, um, I've uh, been really busy lately, so apologize. I try to get back to everybody as soon as I can, but uh, definitely appreciate all the feedback about the show. So with that all out of the way, let's all get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.